0: Hey, bays, I have something really, really exciting to share with you all today. So, in celebration of a Little Juju podcast, new season, and relaunch, we're having our first ever live show. And a little reception in my hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. This event takes place July 7th, 2022 at the Parkway Theater right here in Baltimore. Doors will open at 6.30 p.m. and the show starts at 7. And this also happens to be right before my birthday. So you already know what time it is and how we're coming. We're celebrating together. Please come and join us. We'll have drinks, music, and a live taping of the podcast. And of course, me. I can't wait to see you all there. Please wear your mask that is mandatory for entrance into the parkway and a negative PCR test or proof of COVID vaccination. Can't wait to see you on July 7th. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Later. Everybody's always talking about like, our ancestors' wildest dreams. Like, y'all don't really know what all their wildest dreams were. What do you think their wildest dreams were around sex, around their own pleasure, around their bodies? but they just could never ever act on. They were like, "Oh, I could have I could have been doing that." Yes. <laughs> you could have been doing that. I'm going to do it for you.
1: All you, all you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is- Hello,
0: hello, long time bees and my new listeners. Welcome, welcome. Aquaba, bienvenidos to A Little Juju podcast, the womanist witchy insight podcast that delves deep into black spiritual pop culture, the black healing journey and the ancestral spiritual systems that help get us free. This is the hashtag Black Ass Spirituality Show, and I'm your host, Juju Bay. I am a psychic, a hoodoo, and a Risha devotee, and most importantly, y'all already know, a bad bitch witch.
1: All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little
0: juju. A little juju. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember, if you'd like to keep up with today's conversation, hashtag ALJPod on social media. Um, I hope y'all are doing well. I hope you're feeling good. I'm feeling good today. Everybody, I don't know if you're in the DMV area in Baltimore, but the weather is finally breaking. It finally feels good. Spring fought back, so it's not cold outside. Um, So that's been feeling really good for my spirit to feel some warmth. Um, So because it's warming up, you know, the girlies are going outside a little bit more, wearing less, going out more. And it's funny because I went out with my aunt And my cousin this past week. And my aunt is 59. And my cousin is 65. So I was with the the aunties for real this past week. And it was very interesting, you know, to hang out with family. And essentially, why does the conversation about sexuality always just randomly pop up with your family members? But it did. And sex and being queer. And I was... I was quiet for a lot of the conversation because it wasn't giving. But then I was like, hey, y'all, um, this feels like a great point to tell y'all that I'm dating a woman. And it was like, <gasps> gasp. um, Which is so wild because <laughs> previously my cousins and aunt were talking about... <laughs> just the people that they've been with in their personal sexual escapades and stories. So I'm like, I thought we was just having a, you're sharing, we're having a good moment, we're we're bonding, I'm the little niece and y'all are gasping, but it ended up being okay. But I think that experience this past week just made me think a lot about, you know, what we're gonna be talking about today, which is, you know, our ancestors being hoes, whores, um, and having a variety of different sexual identities and experiences throughout their life. So yeah, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about sex. And um, we're talking about black sexuality and how that relates to our spirituality and our ancestors' sexuality. Um and you know, if you listen to the show, you're very familiar that this podcast honors all kinds of people, bodies, identities, sexualities, experiences, um if you're not with that This is just not the show for you Because I'm a proud girlie Who dates whoever I want Always have and always will So um, yeah just always wanting to affirm That this space is is for, is for everybody Who wants to be here And who has respect <laughs> for other people and themselves So anywho Let's get into the tea Let's get into the episode So I know I titled this episode, (laughs) The Ancestors Was Holes. And I know certain people may read that and be like, oh my God, why does she talk about her ancestors like this? It's so disrespectful. But I really don't mean it in a way of, of being disrespectful. It's, it's more so just an acknowledgement that our ancestors were, some of them were in fact hoes. Those of you all who are listening who are also hoes, who self-identify as hoes, you're not the first hoe in your lineage. There's a lot of different people before you who were busting it wide open and that's okay. I think part of, you know, decolonizing our spirituality is, you know, remembering that we've all been impacted by varying traditions, primarily Christianity and, you know, other Abrahamic traditions. And we, we have to address purity culture. Like we have to address the messaging that we've received from, from the Bible, from our pastors around what it means to really be in our bodies um, and enjoy pleasure. Um, like I was saying I, I told my my family My cousin and my aunt That I started dating a woman And though that I was dating a woman And that was a little bit of a thing So I was sitting At my ancestor altar today actually And I was talking to my spirits And I was talking to my ancestors And I was like hmm, Should I tell my grandma? Because <laughs> my grandma has actually met Former partners of mine and she said at the time that she would meet them, she's, she would just say like, I love when you bring your sporty friends around. Like you always bring around a sporty, your sporty friends. And I'm just like, why does she keep calling these people sporty? Yeah. But so anyway, as I'm like more serious with my partner now, I was like, no, I kind of really want to tell my grandma like, okay, the sporty friends you met were, were my exes. But um, And my, my ancestors was like, girl, she's not really going to be feeling that if you tell her and I'm like really like and y'all know my grandmother's like my best friend and I'm like she's not gonna get it she's not she doesn't know and they're like no she genuinely does not know and she genuinely will be upset like I know y'all have talked about a lot you shared a lot with her but she will genuinely be very hurt if she knows that you're dating women and I'm like ancestors I don't know. Y'all gonna have to work on her because I feel I'm starting to just feel a little bit more uncomfortable, not hiding and not feeling like I have to come out because I don't, but just wanting to exist. Just and you to know how I'm existing and not thinking just with my quote unquote sporty friends. And they were like, No, we're not saying don't tell her. We're just saying how she's going to initially feel. And it was interesting because my ancestors suggested that I do tell her and that this is an opportunity for her to grow and I was like damn like okay so I'm holding a lot on my back (laughs) right now I'm giving my (laughs) elder grandmother an opportunity to grow knowing that she will feel a type of way because my ancestors have have told me that already and I you know I haven't decided if that is what I'm gonna do or not or how I'm gonna go about it But I think it really just made me think more about, again, sexuality and what was robbed of my grandmother's sexuality and how she maybe wasn't or was able to explore her own body. Did she have opportunities to be sexually free? Did she have opportunities to pursue some desires or fantasies that she may have had, but felt that she couldn't because she's very, very by the Bible, by the book, Christian, good Christian Southern woman. Um, And I was going down my bloodline and just thinking about what examples have I really had of sexual freedom and sexuality and desire. And I had an uncle who my uncle David rest in power. I didn't know him. He died in the eighties before I was born, but he died during the AIDS epidemic. Um, and he was a gay man and not many people in my family knew my mother knew cause they were close. She was his, you know, baby sister. He loved my mother. And so she, she knew, and my mother, you know, took care of uncle David as he was dying. Um, and other folks in the family did not. And it it was a conversation. And when he did get sick, everyone was told that he had cancer. He didn't have cancer. Um, He had AIDS. And I know from stories from my mother, though, that Uncle David lived an amazing life. Apparently, he was a model in Baltimore. He would do this. He would do that. He was bringing girls around. He was bringing his friends, his little boyfriends around. He was bringing everybody around. Uncle David was living, was living. And I'm like, okay, I might have got a little bit from Uncle David, but then I think about my aunt Bernetta. Some of y'all may be familiar (laughs) with Aunt Bernetta because I interviewed my aunt Myrtle, and I I advise you to check out the episode with Aunt Myrtle. Um, Aunt Bernetta was Aunt Myrtle's older sister, and she died at ninety five, ninety six, and she died with a boyfriend. And Aunt Bernetta always had a boyfriend. It. She got married five times, okay? She, once Uncle Herbert died, her last husband, who she married twice, (laughs) her last husband died, she went into different homes. She lived with us at certain times, but regardless, she, my Aunt Bernetta at like, in her 90s was sneaking out of the house to go to her boyfriend's house. She never stopped. She (laughs) never stopped. And I know that, I am a lot of who I am because I come from people who will have were sneaking out of the house at 95 <laughs> to go see their man or my uncle David who was dating everybody and doing what he wanted to do. And so it's so important that we think through some of these stories if you know them or just think of stories in general it may not necessarily have to be your blood ancestors. And remember that we come from a myriad of people who did a myriad of different things with their bodies. And unfortunately, a lot of them, like my grandmother, like my other grandmother, um, like maybe my aunts and some people in my family didn't weren't comfortable enough in their own bodies to explore. And it took a lot of their power away and still does. And so we sort of have the opportunity to continue to talk to our ancestors, to work with them, to help heal them. And they learn through us. They learn through how we live our lives. Our My ancestors who just got married, never thought about their own pleasure, never, never did anything interesting with their sexuality, never, never wanted to fulfill their own desires. They learned through me, through my actions. They were like, oh, I could have I could have been doing that. Yes, (laughs) you could have been doing that. I'm going to do it for you. We can do it for them and we can show them. Everybody's always talking about like our ancestors' wildest dreams. Like y'all don't really know what all their wildest dreams were. I don't even know if we're really (laughs) touching on it, but what, what do you think their wildest dreams were around sex, around their own pleasure, around their bodies, but they just could never, ever act on because of, you know, the toxic, Religious traditions that they had Or because of their own trauma You know toxic sexual trauma That they were experiencing Um, Because they had to you know be good Quote unquote or like be the good black person Be the good negro be a good woman And They They made so many Sacrifices for us but I feel like my ancestors Made sacrifices for me to be sexually free And to experience My body in the ways that I want to um, I've talked about this before, but y'all know there was a time where, and I love my ancestors. Y'all know I, I got ancestors tattooed on my body. I talk to them every day. I talk to dead people. It is just a thing. And I honor and venerate them. But there was a time that my ancestors got on my nerves so much that I took my altar down. I cursed their names. (laughs) I took their pictures down. I packed it up and I said, I'm never doing this shit again. And that was one time I did that out of the years that I've been doing this practice. And the reason that I took my altar down and cussed them out was because I was talking to them and they said something that was really problematic to me about sex. And I was dating somebody at the time who was extremely toxic and really extremely abusive um, and particularly sexually. And I had a few of my foremothers come to me and say, well, that's just what men do sometimes. Like, you just got to. And I was like, "Yeah." Y'all are supposed to be elevated. I'm thinking, I see y'all in this just grand light that you understand everything, that you get it. And y'all dead asses had the nerve to come to me and say, well, that's just what they do. Sometimes you just got to let them do that. I'm like, this is not okay. These actions are not okay. I'm trying to actually get out of this situation. I'm actually in the midst of experiencing sexual trauma. So I had to really pack it up after that because I had a lot to think on and sit on. And it taught me a few things. One, it taught me that our ancestors, just because they die doesn't mean that they're perfect. And some of them have so much shit. It takes years and years and years and years for them to unlearn and heal. All of our ancestors are not completely elevated. All of them do not get it. All of them, you may not even want to take advice from. That's one. So that was the first lesson in that. And two... It made me really, really sad because I realized that so many of my foremothers were experiencing what I was experiencing at that time in a very abusive relationship. And they just dealt with it. And it was taught that you just deal because that's just what, you know, that's what your man does to you sometimes. You might not want it. You just just let him. And so I've done a lot of work with my spirits around, like, you know, I know and can only imagine the things that you all have been through and seen and experienced, but you didn't deserve that. That's not okay. And we all talk about breaking generational curses. That's the one I'm going to break. Like, I'm actually going to have good sex and I'm going to have good consensual sex with people who want to have good sex with me and that they value my pleasure as I them. And we get to talk about these things and we don't have to be shy about it. um, And we don't have to be scared of it. So I just want to encourage us all to really think through and like process what your own relationship to purity culture is what your own relationship is to pleasure and your body and what you feel like your ancestors and not just your ancestors, but even just your community, what your community's relationship is to sex and how you can dismantle that purity police in your head. Like, how can you, how can you call that, that spirit out, that energy out? How can you disrupt that, that energy within your own body um, and within your own family um i know that <laughs> this can be it can sound like a lot it is a lot you know and and wanting to connect with your ancestors and even wanting to connect with your living family connecting with your ancestors is actually easier to me <laughs> cuz they did you know it's a it's a different kind of relationship that you get to establish with them but it's the living <laughs> it's the living for me um I would encourage if you are interested in learning more about your ancestry, particularly what people in your family were doing in regards to their sexuality, if anybody was gay, like these are things I think that, that is important to know. If you have access to your family, I really just encourage you to talk to them. You don't have to say, so was anybody gay? You don't have to do that. Really just talk because a lot of the things that I've learned about my family and what they were doing, what they were up to, who they were dating, how many times they were married. I never asked. I just sat there and they just talked about it. Or was there a, who was everybody's favorite auntie? You know, who who was, ask someone who was alive, like, was there a favorite auntie? Like, why was she everybody's favorite? Because typically the favorite aunt or the favorite cousin or the favorite neighbor or the favorite whoever was was free. (laughs) It's always that favorite cousin, the one who used to get you birth control and the one who never told your mama that you was having sex. It's always that one. So maybe even just asking about, you know, who was a favorite in the family or who did people want us to stay away from? Um, Because that can come up too. I would just put yourself in the position to be able to listen um, and maybe guide the conversation if you want to. But You know, and I also want to acknowledge that not everybody has access to their family. Not everybody feels safe with their family. Um, Some people don't know their family at all. I think ancestral work can still be done even when you don't have access to your family or don't want to have access to your family. Because you still come from a community of people. You can still, you still may know where someone was born. You still may know where some people are located. So you don't have to know your direct family to know about what was happening in your community or what could have been happening in your community 20 years ago or 30 years ago. These are things that we can just research. Like what was going on in South Charleston, South Carolina in the 1960s? Did they talk about sex? What was kind of going on? What was the vibe? What was the energy? You can read about the 60s. Like there's so many different ways and layers to make it relevant to yourself. And I know this is really corny, but like trusting your own intuition and trusting that little voice in your head that may um, guide you in certain directions, guide you to certain people, guide you to storytellers, um, guide you to um, connect with your ancestors more deeply. Uh, But don't limit yourself to feeling like, oh, I I don't even talk to my grandmother or my grandparents are dead. I don't know. You know, it's not just about those people but there's just a lot of different ways and resources that you can do that so yeah I know that was a that was a lot but it's a it's a process it's a it's a long process but you know they say when in the I think it's in the Ifa tradition but when you heal yourself you heal seven generations back and you heal seven generations forward so it's a heavy heavy load it's a heavy work but it's not just for you it's for people who did <laughs> and it's for people that you don't even know and you'll never meet. And that's such a powerful work to do. So I'm wishing you all the best. I'm encouraging. Shout out to the hosts. Shout out to the hoes in the lineage. Shout out to the old school hoes back in the day. Shout out to the, you know, the, the sex workers. There's a book called Psychic Sec- Sex Workers and Number Runners. I think that's the title. I'll figure it out. And I'll link it in the show notes. But it talks about how the economy, specifically for black folks, was ran by the psychics and the sex workers. And they worked together a lot. Okay, that was some of y'all ancestors. <laughs> that was some of mine, keeping the economy running for us, taking care of ourselves and our community. And that was where people found safety and refuge. So, hey, the gamblers, the whole... Wait, I just tell y'all one last thing. Because my my aunt, Eva, I didn't know her either. But rest in power, Aunt Eva. She was my grandfather who I did know, his favorite sister, his older sister. She died before I knew her. And my grandmother kept a lot of her children, my father and and my aunt, away from Aunt Eva because Aunt Eva ran a shot house over on Monument Street, if you're from Baltimore, over west, on the west side. And in the shot house, what goes on, child? I don't know all the things that go on. They sell liquor illegally. And fish plates, and they gamble, and they have sex, and they roll dice. And that's how Aunt Eva made her money. (laughs) And that's how she supported people around her. That's how she supported her family. That's how she supported nieces and nephews. They People loved going to Monument Street and going to the shot house to have fun. They threw parties. It was a club. They was dancing. It was just a whole vibe ran by primarily women my aunt Eva included, and some other family members. My grandmother wasn't having that child. We were, (laughs) stay away from them. They was over there running the house. But it was fun, and they was cooking and doing everything else. So, again, yes, our ancestors were impacted by purity culture, but don't you forget that you had some people in there that was doing a lot of things that maybe some of us wouldn't even have the guts to do today. And they were experiencing their lives and they were having the best lives that they could particularly at a time where it was really hard for black folks. So again, shout out to the aunt Eva's of the lineage shout out to the aunt Bernetta's of the lineage shout out to, to every ancestor who made it possible for me to be a hoe in 2020. Hey, bays So y'all have probably heard about micro dosing, if not, it's all the rage, but but seriously, it is basically a way to intake THC within some sort of supplement. And it helps you, you know, feel better and perform better. So our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. And Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that give you just the right amount of feel-good. I personally love microdosing because I can't be smoking my lungs. Child, it's... I can't be inhaling that smoke. No more, I'm getting too old. But so that I can still have the same feeling and vibe, I like to microdose. So it's just something small and cute and light. I love it for to really... Uh, invigorate my creative juices and when I'm writing and singing so that's when I microdose so microdose is available nationwide and to learn more about microdosing THC go to microdose.com and use code J-U-J-U Juju to get free shipping and 30% off your first order links can be found in the show description but again that's microdose.com and the code is Juju see ya me too amen
1: All you need is a little juju All you need is a little juju A little juju, a little juju juju.
0: Okay, y'all, so, you know, we have a little tight-knit community over here That I'm going to continue to grow But we're opening up listener letters again But they're like listener voice notes So I'm really excited about this So thank you for your question, who sent this We're going to play the voice note for you And then I'm going to answer it
2: Okay, so, um, I guess I have a question as well as like a comment. So for a while now, my ancestors have been telling me that I need to get a machete. So I go online and I'm like, hmm, machete. Oh, girl, like, ugh, that's it's 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 given ready to <laughs> ready to take something down and chop something up and bleed it out. Um. So I was like, I ain't going to get no machete. I have older kids as well as younger kids. I was like, I'm not going to do a machete. So I was like, okay, what's the next best thing? I think in my mind, I was thinking of a meat cleaver. I never knew the name, but I was like, okay, meat cleaver it is. Ordered the meat cleaver on Amazon, got it. And oh my God, y'all, when I opened it, I was immediately like envisioning me doing lots of things with the meat cleaver. Let's just say that. As I held the meat cleaver and prayed over, prior to me putting it on my ancestor altar, of course, I started to get aroused. Like, I need somebody to explain to me why this happened, what this means. And has anyone else had visions of like doing, I I don't know y'all, help me please. Okay,
0: I love this question. Thank you so much for this question. Now, I will say, I don't know, how... baby, I don't know what you're imagining fully, but I'm going to try to answer the range of possibility. When I first heard your question, and I've listened to it a couple times, I've, I thought about, well, one, I'm glad that your ancestors warned you. For folks who don't know, sometimes our spirits will tell us like, you need a knife, you need a machete or a meat cleaver, you need some type of protection on your altar. And so a lot of spiritualists will have swords, machetes, knives. I have all three (laughs) in my altar space and on my shrines because it's a symbol of protection. It's, It's the weapons that they use to protect us in the spiritual realm, also in the earthly realm. So I'm glad you have your protections. Now, I think you have a warrior spirit ancestor. I, I I bet the bottom dollar that you have a warrior spirit and this particular spirit is trying to show up, is trying to talk to you, is trying to get your attention. They probably want to be fed, which means like honored, given offerings, because they want to help you in a particular way. They probably want to knock down some things that could be blockages or assist you. And sometimes when our spirits come to us, you might be a medium, honey. That's This is giving very medium tease. But when you are a medium, spirits almost take over your body. It's like you feel this, this sense of ecstasy almost. It's like you, you leave and the, the spirit is sort of taking over you. And it is a very... It can feel pleasurable. It can also feel like a lot. <laughs> like I get it. It's hard to explain, but it can be a feeling of almost ecstasy. And so I would not be surprised if this is a warrior around you. They were trying to take over your body. They were trying to, as we say in in uh, espiritismo, mount you so that they could kind of take over your body and do what needed to be done with. The weapon. That is what it sounds like to me. Now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's, that's actually what I'm going to say. Cause that's, that's, that's truly what I, what I think that it is. I would advise you to, you got your cleaver. I would go to your ancestor altar or your shrine And leave an offering of some kind of liquor. I'm feeling gin. I'm feeling some gin. And you can talk to your warrior ancestor and say, hey, I got the cleaver. Use this to protect me. If that is the message that you're trying to to send to me of protection, I'm giving you the range to take care of any enemies or any negative spirits, any evil eye, whatever may be around me. Chop it away, knock it down, knock heads off. Whatever you're okay with them doing, give them consent to do that on your behalf and see if those feelings change. If they don't, I would also add like, you don't have to try and take over my body, possess me, mount me in order to get the message across. Unless you enjoy that child. I don't know, this is layered, but that is what I think. Let me know how that goes after you do it. Because I I really do need to know more. I need to know more. But thank you so much for that question. I absolutely love, love, love hearing from y'all. There is a link in my Patreon. So for all my patrons, if you want to ask a question and have your sweet little voice on a little juju podcast where I will answer, please submit your question on Patreon. I'm looking forward to answering all of them. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So y'all don't forget that we have an opportunity in our life, in this lifetime, to have sexual autonomy and to really ground ourselves in the power of being a human and being in our bodies. Our ancestors may not have been able to have that and they still aren't because they are our ancestors, but we have the privilege and the gift of being in a body. So do what you want with that body we do not have to show up in ways that don't feel pleasurable for us or good for us we are allowed to enjoy this experience of what it means to be human live your damn life okay so in the spirit of pleasure and sex my juju tip of the week, of course, is around that. And it's around the herbs and the plants. So this is our plant bay for the day. Drum roll, please. We are going to be talking about horny goat weed. And just like the name sounds, it horny goat weed. It is a plant, it's traditional traditionally grown in China, some other parts of Asia in smaller numbers. And it is used when it is ingested, typically for erectile dysfunction. Um, When I've read about it, it's used for like male virility, you know, increasing sex drive, uh, increasing one's nature if you will for a strong nature if you will and um it it is not a traditional hoodoo and for those who don't know hoodoo is a religion system tradition of enslaved african people and their descendants it was it started in the american south so what folks consider quote unquote, the old wives tales and certain spiritual things that you did and didn't do. You don't always know why it's probably rooted in hoodoo if it's some black shit. So that is hoodoo. So horny goat weed is not a traditional hoodoo plant or herb, but it is often used within hoodoo practices. It is often used by black people, African-American people when ingested for that increased libido. Now of course, if you're hearing this and you're like, "Oh, I want to try some, you know, consult who you need to consult? Consult your physician, consult your herbalist before you go taking things." Um because I can only speak on using it in a spiritual context. So, I've never ingested horny goat weed. I've read about people who who take it, but I don't know nobody who's taking it to my knowledge, even though I'm sure you don't just tell people, "Hey, I'm on horny goat weed." <laughs> But um, I have used it in a couple workings Now it's been a while since I've used horny goat weed in a a working But from what I remember I used it in in a candle work to attract a sexual partner I think I, I did that and it did work And I think I used it to increase like my sex life with one of my former partners and I, so yes, I used it to attract someone because I wanted just I wanted a new sex partner at one point and I wanted them to have very specific things. So I put horny goat weed in a candle and I believe prior to that I used it, um, to increase the sex amongst my partner and I. And I will say that it did work. I know that when I was talking about it and typically when you read about it, it's centered largely around men and males using horny goat weed, but I'm not a man and it worked for me. So, and I was not in partnership with a man at the time when I used horny goat weed. So I will say that if you're interested and you're like, well, I'm not a male. I don't be with males. You can, I would suggest you try and see how it works for you. I suggest you could also use horny goat weed to do lust or love workings. Like I said before, to attract a partner, to increase the sexual energy, to do seduction works. So like I want to, (laughs) you know, seduce my partner. I want to increase the ways that my partner sees me in, in, kind of rooted in a more sexual experience, horny goat weed could be good for that. So if any of that is like your gears are turning, you're like, oh, get some horny goat weed. Um, Try it out. Let me know if it works. Or if you are a hoodoo or or just a worker in general and you have used uh, horny goat weed, let me know how that has worked. So yes, shout out to (laughs) traditional Chinese medicine. I know this is an African traditional podcast and traditions of the diaspora, but honey, the Africans got the medicine, but the Chinese people really, really did a thing. They, they, they understood the medicinal assignment. So shout out to traditional Chinese medicine as that is who gave us horny goat weed. And you know, I'm thinking, and I always encourage folks to get creative with their workings with our spells or whatever you call it. Because you can read about what a thing means and how to use it, but you can really get thoughtful around how you use it. So for example, yes, horny goat weed, we see that it's good to increase fucking and sucking. Great. But what could it mean to use horny goat weed after we've been through a period of healing from some type of sexual experience that we had that was negative or some kind of sexual trauma and we're having difficulties Feeling attached to our own bodies. Maybe we're feeling detached from sex and we don't want to feel detached from sex. We want to feel sensual. Increase our own desires, even if that's just for like yourself. Even if that's just your own sexual experiences with you, like via, you know, masturbation or whatever. What could it mean to do a self love or a self-desire candle with horny goat weed or what could it mean to ingest it if it's safe for you to do that and you can after some kind of sexual trauma or or no sexual trauma you're just wanting to up your 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 lustful (laughs) desires um so yeah get Creative, it doesn't always have to be what you will look up when you look up the meaning of a root or an herb. There's so many other ways that you can kind of peel apart the layers and use that plant in what way that you need the plant. Like let the medicine work for you and every medicine is going to impact people differently and horny goat weed is not going to be for everybody. And how people use horny goat weed is going to vary depending on who is using it, right? So all of that to say, I think this is a good plant to get to know, even if you don't use it, because one, it is it has been used in hoodoo. It has sort of has been adopted within the hoodoo tradition. And because we have so much sexual bullshit shame traumatic experiences whatever this could be something to kind of help us move through that in a way that is healthy and natural and sexual (laughs) so if you if you are interested or if you tried horny goat weed Please hit me up, let me know how it went and um I hope you all enjoyed this this segment. Don't be too horny now. Don't be get don't get too randy. <laughs> So if you love a little Juju podcast and support the work going on over here in Juju land, we would love for you to come on and join the Patreon community. Patreon is a subscription service where you pick a tier level of how much you give monthly and it helps support the show. But there's also extra goodies on Patreon. We talk on there. We link up. We have Zoom chats. There's classes on there. There's a lot of amazing content on Patreon that sometimes you just can't share on a, on a public kind of podcast platform. So if you're interested, you want to be deeper in community, come on to the Patreon. You can also support in other ways, just by liking the show, rating it five star on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, reposting, telling people that you love this show, sending it to your friends, send it to your grandmama, whoever sharing and spreading the good juju gospel is very important to me. It is very important to the show and it means so, so, so much. So go ahead, rate and subscribe. And if you want, come on and join the Patreon. Okay. So big, big shout out to my newest Patrons, you know I love y'all. Shout out to Carm Charm. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. Shout out to Theodora Okiro. Shout out to Tiffany Alaya, Renee Ever, Jaquetta Melvin, Azim Hill, Jessica Tour, Carla Varner, and Ariella. Olivia's thank you thank you thank you so much for becoming a patron and y'all know as you share the energy of abundance with me I'm sharing it back with you tenfold a hundredfold a thousandfold. may you have the resources and the access and the funds to put out whatever project or manifest whatever it is that you want in your life I pray that you're able to do that and you have the resources to do it so thank you thank you thank you love y'all Don't forget, if you want to keep up with the conversations, if you want to find other bays, hashtag ALJpod for community, you can also follow A Little Juju Podcast on IG. If you would like to bring me, Juju Bay, to your school, your organization to speak, do a workshop. Hashtag talk about black ass spirituality and ancestral religions and systems. Please feel free to reach out to me at Juju at I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E dot com. Sending so much love to all of you. Welcome again to my new listeners. Thank you for being here and thank you to my old for sticking around. I appreciate you so, so much. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, it is where you are supposed to be. Take your you time, you're doing well. Juju. And remember, all you need is a little juju, juju. A little
1: juju. later. Little juju. Our producers are Kenya little.
0: Denise and Alexandra De Palma. A little juju is produced by Domino Sound. Protected in my truth. I'm grounded in my in my boots now and i believe you think this is a flu but there's something about you make me see the proof i know you thirsty cause you've been for my juice but you got it too you got it too yes you do and all you need is a little juju i got libations and calories that only two two intention is power and that's the hoodoo that's the voodoo that's the true you that's the true you your intention is power and that's the hoodoo that's the voodoo
1: that's the true you that's the true you and all you need is a little juju